more. What up, people? Today is, in fact, Thursday, May 12th. May symbol is the letter K, which means tomorrow, Dan, will be Friday the 13th. And I laugh because I got to laugh. You're watching Market Call. It's the top of the hour. I'm Guy Adami. As I mentioned, I'm joined by Dan Nathan. But you know it's Thursday, and you folks are all amped up because, you know, every Thursday we got EY from SoFi joining us. I know I'm amped up. She was just out in Sonoma doing her thing, talking about vineyards. I'm sure we'll have that conversation. Today's episode brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics that are powered by tomorrow. SoFi, get your money right all in one app. And we are powered by Open Exchange. And if you are searching, you can find them at Open Exchange TV on the Twitter. I use the little words, the, because that's what you do in front of Twitter. The. Dan, how are you today? I'm doing well, Guy Dami. It's been a heck of a day already. Yes, it is. It, you know, listen, man, we had a NASDAQ that opened down 2%, then rallied nearly 4%, and now it's back down, you know, about a half a percent on the day here. It feels like there's multiple, multiple percentage point moves left in the broad markets here, at least from what we can tell. And it's pretty fascinating, you know, like, you know, I had that little kind of tinfoil hat kind sure of theory that the, that the Fed was, you know, kind of propping up Microsoft and Apple and keeping things, you know, all in one piece, at least on the major indices, as we saw so many stocks just getting pummeled over the last few weeks or months or so. The exact opposite's in effect right now. Like the, the, the generals are having a tough time today and we're seeing sharp rallies and this sort of stuff. So this sort of price action, really interesting. We're going to hit rates, we're going to hit dollar, dollar, we're going to hit crypto. I mean, it's just a lot of things doing things that we just have not seen before, huh, guy? Or not in a long time. Now, and I love your backdrop once again. You're in yeah, front of the NASDAQ. And I'll yeah. just mention that it was around Thanksgiving, gobble, gobble that EY from SoFi, who will be joining us, she actually said, and I remember this as it were yesterday, although it was not, she said, you know, the world has changed. We've gone from a market where people are looking to buy sell-offs. Now we're looking at a market where people should be selling rallies. And I got to tell you something, she was spot on then, and I'm sure when she comes back, she'll be spot on now, but that's for another time. Why do I mention that? Because for quite some time, Dan, and we'll look at the S&P 500, what have we been saying? 3750 sort of the level we should get down to. I think we breached 3,900 today. So with each passing day, we're getting closer and closer. And I think this is a good thing. Like I would submit everything you're seeing now, as painful as it is, and as many conversations as you're having when the market's closed, this is the healthiest possible thing that can happen for this market. Yeah. And listen, you know, on this chart, we have a little kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, an absorption zone to the down. Absorption zone. I like that. Well, Dan is and up. That you're, you're back, Dan. You're freezing. You're in. Yeah. You're out. You're back. Wow. I'm sorry about that, guy. But but I, one of the things I really wanted to mention about this chart in particular is like your target was 37.50, and you and I tried to do this yesterday in the market call, trying to put some numbers to this. Well, you know, you didn't just pick that out of thin air, right? So you're saying if the average, and this is per fact set. PE multiple in the S&P 500 over the last 10 years has been 17, right? Mm-hmm. And right now, consensus estimates for S&P earnings are expected to be up 10% this year. Recording stop. Recording in progress. Or something like that. 
You know, you throw 17 times 220, what does it get, guy? It gets you well above where it is right now. If you throw a more conservative, let's call it 205 mm. for low single digits earnings growth, you get to your 3,500, which is that kind of zone that we're in, well overshooting your 3,750 target. I just think that's what needs to happen. We need to see some analysts and some strategists capitulate on their earnings. You got to let it go a little bit. And then we might get there and then things, expectations might be reset enough at that point. 3750 to me, Dan, is value. The overshoot is when you're going to get things at a significant discount. By the way, obviously, there are a lot of names now probably would fit that bill. But, you know, markets overshoot to the upside and they, they obviously overshoot to the downside. But, you know, I can make a pretty cogent argument that fair value for this market is 3750. We'll reset everything. We'll start to see inflows again. And I think you back half of this year, you could see the rally that everybody's been waiting for. We shall see. Let's get through May and June 1st. But here we are, Dan Nathan. And I think to your point, the overshoot is in the cards. Yeah. And just you know, going back to, to mega cap tech and, and the price action today, I think it's pretty interesting. If you look at the NASDAQ 100, I mean, you're still seeing Apple after being down 5% yesterday is down 3.5%. Microsoft down 2.6%. You see us getting back to those September 2020 lows, which is just below 10,000 in the NDX there, but then, you know, or just below 11,000, excuse me. But then you have that whole kind of zone there back to those February 2020 highs. And I think that the only way that happens is if you you have these five or six major names one of them being tesla which is really giving it up guy i'm just curious real quickly tesla at 725 it went below 700 briefly this morning that was that huge reversal low from march here this is a really important one obviously big stock it's the fifth or sixth largest in the s&p and the nasdaq but also from a sentiment standpoint especially when we've seen all of these other names, these other meme stocks go the way of the dodo. This one still, I, I mean, seemingly is trading okay. Well, 700 was the level. I think it was $700 and change. And when I say change, I mean literally dimes that on that March 14th date when everything sort of reversed, that was the low I think we made on that day. And we subsequently rallied, Dan, almost 60%. I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, the stock rallied 55% from that level. This is not an insignificant stock. And I said at the time, it's just one more example that these markets seem to be broken. And then we talked about Tesla when they reported earnings. And I've said it on yeah. the show, Fast Money. I've said it on Market Call. I'll say it now quickly, that that was the quarter that people that had been buying the stock for years had been waiting for. And it was a fantastic quarter, no denying that. But now the bulls needed to prove themselves. And I think the stock got up to 1,080. I know you talked about it on the show that night. You thought you'd sell that rally. And that proved to be somewhat prescient because here we are now so yeah what what does it mean well i think this support level is no longer support and i think we probably cascade through it because just like the broader market seems to be the last to fall and not to cast dispersions again because everybody's piling on but tesla is going to be the last one to fall in this whole kathy wood arc etf thing that's literally the only thing that's been holding in there until recently yeah, matter of fact. And here's a here's an interesting tweet from a guy, a tweet from a guy named Charlie Bellello, who's got lots of interesting tweets every day. Only 8% of the NASDAQ 100 stocks are above their 50-day moving average, which is lower than 98% of historical readings and the fewest since April 3rd, 2020, extreme oversold condition. And we remember April 3rd, 2020, the market had just bottomed after a 35% peak to drop decline. 
You know, the NASDAQ was down actually a little bit more than that. The S&P was down 35%. What's your take on that stat? Because I'll just say this, in the lead up to kind of this latest leg lower, we were hearing all of these really bearish sentiment readings, guy, put call was at this, and AAII, you know, bull bearish sentiment was at this. It's never been this low. Well, we still went a lot lower here. So what's your take about these readings in general? Are you fearful of them when they're too fearful? No, I mean, that's what I think that's exactly the point. I mean, when everybody's on one side of the boat, I mean, we can speak to this, but it doesn't mean the market can't continue to go down, right? I think people, if you look at these in a vacuum and use this as the only resource to be long or short, I think it's a sort of a fool's errand. If you do it on top of a number of different things, and that's one more sort of arrow in your quiver, then it makes sense. But if we could put that up one more time, Dan, because it's Thursday, I'm in a good mood. The Mets lost last night. The Yankees won yesterday afternoon. And as I mentioned yesterday, my Rangers showed up at the Garden and emerged victorious. Are you familiar with the artist John Sebastian? EY, by the way, if you're listening, please take a Google Notes. John Sebastian. <laughs> Dan, I am yes, not. No. I am not. I am not. No. Dan, John Sebastian was the lead singer of The Loving Spoonful. And he sang the song Welcome Back, which was a theme song for Welcome Back, Cotter. And they oh, said, yeah. well, why the hell are you mentioning that? Because Arnold Horshack was a star of that show. And I will tell you, when I look at that thing you just put up, that is a freaking Rorschach test to me because it is meaningless. There are All a lot right. of red lines and I can't figure it out, Dan. We, Back we, to you. We had to stick with you on that one here. And, and, and it was worth it. We got the payday. Well, I appreciate there. it. I mean, you know, I mean, that's when I can weave that kind of narrative in, you know I'm doing something right. But please. All right. A couple quick things. I'm going to throw a chart up here. And, and right now, you just said Tesla will be the last one to drop. And I just think it's really important to take a quick look at Apple here. We see that uptrend from the summer of 2021 and you see what's going on here this is a really this is a an age-old charting formation here guy we call it the snaggletooth hungry alligator here you see what happened right so this is a really important stock largest market cap company in the world just broke below that year and a half or so uptrend and there's just really no support guy if we get through those kind of September September, October lows, which are not far behind here, you got to move back to, I don't know, is it 125 or something like that? You know, you and I both thought we'd see 140-ish. You were saying 138, but there's no technical support here. Now, all that being said, okay, if these guys were to recognize the supply chain issues that we know they're likely having, maybe some demand destruction, and they were to give some difficult guidance in the next month or two, you'll have this thing down back mm-hmm. towards those October lows, back towards those summer 2021 lows, and then it's probably a great value. Just at 26 times, it sticks out like a sore thumb as far as the way we're seeing other you know, tech growth stocks being you know, re-rated to the downside. Because of it doesn't valuation. deserve it. Because if it, it wasn't named Apple and you just looked at the math behind it, you looked at a company, again, that has you know, maybe 6.5% EPS growth, maybe 8% revenue, maybe 8% yeah. revenue growth trading at 26 times next year's numbers. You say, well, that doesn't make any sense, especially given what we've seen with hundreds of other stocks in this environment. You say, you got to sell that. But when people hear it's Apple, like, well, I mean, I guess we can we can justify that valuation. The reality is you can't justify anything. I mean, the valuation is what it is, and everything's coming to sort of reversion to the mean. I don't think Apple should be trading at a market multiple, but I don't think in this environment it should be trading 27 times next year's numbers. Yep. I think more, you know, more along the lines of low 20s or so, that makes sense. And that probably gets you to, well, the 138 level I've been waiting for. But to your point, maybe the ultimate support is 125. 
Yeah, I'll tell you this. You know, one way I've been thinking about it, and I've been saying it on the on the market call here, you know, Qs and twos here. I do think, and we're gonna hit rates in a second. I mean, I think you want to leg into the NASDAQ 100. You get those top five or six names, which ultimately I think you'll see the four biggest ones down 30 some percent from their all-time highs. Maybe the NVIDIA, the Tesla, the Facebook, you know, they get a little worse than that. And then you get all the crap that's in the arc, and we're gonna hit some of those in a second here. You know, I, I mean that's the way I'm trading. I actually bought a little QQ. QQ today. This is the first time in a very, very long time, but I'm going to be dollar cost averaging. I think we go lower. I do think we hit those kind of those support, you know, bands that we kind of showed you on the charts. And I think one other thing I want to make uh, this, this point is that, you know, you're talking about what's the right valuation. Look at an NVIDIA. This is a top 10 stock in the S&P and then the NASDAQ here. And, you know, earlier, I guess late last year, this thing had, we thought it was going to be a trillion dollar market cap, the way the market was going right. And back in October, and this thing was trading north of 20 times sales. This is a semiconductor company, right? Trading like a SaaS company, even at valuations that didn't make sense now, they certainly don't. So here we are, 11 and a half times sales. It still has more to go. It's still down 3% on a day like today. So keep an eye on that one. Lastly, I'll just say this. This is maybe the one encouraging thing you would take on a near-term basis. We've been showing these disaster du jours on the market call and some of these just these names that have just gotten pummeled and how they keep going down. Look at this slide today and look at some of the price action in these names. Absolutely ripping. You know, like maybe there's no more sellers. The, the shorts, they're tripping over each other to buy the stock and you get these sorts of moves. I don't think it's exactly bullish, but by the same token, if we do have the generals come in and there's nobody left to sell these crap names, sooner or later, that's how you start to find a bottom. No, without question. I mean, look, you, you look at these rip your face up. By the way, I love that. That's a great song. I'll say this. We saw Alibaba a couple months ago rally 35% in a day. In a day. And that's not an insignificant company by any stretch of the imagination. So again, what it means to me, yeah, you're going to see moves like this without question. And this just to me, one more anecdotal thing that speaks to how broken this market is. We're going to bring EY in a second. I just want to ask you a question because we have a great audience here, Dan, and they like to ask us questions on the Twitter. And this is teeing you up a little bit. And I bet you I know your answer, given what you just said about sort of layering in here. Dan, I'm looking at Apple July 15th put. Bid ask is around $4, 125 being the strike price. What do you think? I'm going to answer that quickly. I think the time to buy those puts was a few weeks ago. Yeah. I think Vol is probably blown out such you don't want to take them now. Maybe wait for a bounce in Apple and take another look. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I listen, again, I, you know, people like to kind of tag us as the bears, you know, guy. I'm not a anything. I'm no, no, I'm no, 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 no. I'm just saying that's kind of maybe my persona as the heel on the fast money or whatever. But like, I don't press markets like this. I mean, like this is the like today's price action is the like exhibit A, how you get your face ripped off and you make mistakes that you just it's really hard to come back from. So I think, you know, the idea of after Apple has gone from 180 to 140 in a little like a month and a half or so, and you want to buy puts that are basically 15 percent percent out of the money that don't break even down 20 percent that's not good trading i mean you would need an all-out crash in the stock market to make money on that you know like or a high probability chance of making money so not a fan of that i'd wait and see if we get a bounce back towards 150 if it can't get above that then you reload on the short side but you pick something closer to the money well here we are you mentioned disaster du jour which i mean disaster of the day well the guest du jour see what i did there dan on thursdays is Always the brilliant EY from SoFi, glass wearing, back from Sonoma, 
the Napa Valley with all your peeps from Wisconsin. My sense is, though, your soup du jour, if I had a guess, is sort of like a potato cheddar. Thoughts? That would be my mother's soup du jour. I'm really more of a tomato soup with grilled cheese gal. I love the fact that I nailed your mom's favorite soup. I mean, (laughs) to me, that's close enough. Listen, you've heard Dan and I wax poetic now literally for months. You heard us talking earlier. Thoughts on what you're seeing over the last couple of days? Yeah. Well, okay. All right. I'm going to give you guys a couple of points up front and tell you that you were right. I was wrong a few weeks ago. Here's where I was wrong. I thought that we had already priced in enough negativity with the Fed. I thought that pricing in at that point, so pre this last hike, I thought at that point pricing in nine more hikes this year was a bit much. The market had gone down as much as it needed to in order to get used to that idea. And I figured that after the Fed meeting, we'd have a little relief rally, which we did. We'd give some of it back, but then we'd kind of start to steady out. I was wrong. So you were definitely right about that. Once we started to go down even further, that's where I started. I I thought to myself, all right, this isn't enough yet. The sellers aren't exhausted. We're getting closer to the point where the sellers are exhausted. I still don't think we're there. If you think about the numbers, so the NASDAQ still hasn't quite closed down 30% from its peak in last November, and you've got an S&P that hasn't quite closed down 20%. So we still have a few more little milestones that I think we need to cross before we can level out. But I will stand by that I think the second half of this year is going to be better than the first. Now, Dan, you've mentioned a couple times strategists, I'll put myself in that camp, strategists and analysts need to capitulate on their earnings. If you look at expectations for earnings in the second quarter, they are supposed to be weaker than in the first quarter. And then the second half of the year, expectations are still for 10% growth or or so. I think that those do have to come down a bit. And Guy, if I did the math right, I used a calculator, so I think I did it right. That means that the earnings expectations that you would price in for the year are more like 228 or 220 a share down from 228 a share. So I think that's reasonable. It still would be a positive earnings year, but we do probably have to come back off of that a bit. But look, the correction we've seen already this year, it can't get that much worse for the rest of the year unless we fall into some terrible recession, which I don't think is going to happen. Yeah, I think your point, you know, about like, what is that number for, we won't know until, you know, some point early next year, what the final, right, earnings estimate was for 2022. But I think, I think 210 makes sense. And I think you put 17 and a half on that and and you get, you know, back to guys 3,700-ish or something like that. I mean, to me, and listen, let's be clear, you weren't wrong. I mean, I I think by all indications, and, and I'm really interested you to expand a little bit on the note that you put out on the SoFi blog today, you know, talking about that CPI that we got last week. I mean, Guy and I are both in agreement that we don't think the Fed is going to go nearly as often as being priced. They may hit it hard right now. And you got your rally. That was kind of the knee jerk here. And I'll just say this. How do you get a better second half in the stock market like you think? And, and I, I know Guy thinks that. and I, I think so, too, is by the Fed pivoting. You know what I mean? Yep. So so talk to yep. us a little bit about that CPI reading. And, and I know we had PPI this morning and yesterday we threw up a chart of the one year break evens and we see that inflation break even coming in a little bit you know in a couple months we might be saying yeah that was it we peaked in inflation but i think as guy's been saying what do you say guy persistent and what what was the other term pesky not johnny pesky pesky. for you boston red Sox fan out there of course the right field poll known as the pesky poll but pesky as in persistent back to you dan 
Yeah, well, actually, back to Liz. So talk to us. You had a note out this morning, and I thought there was a lot of really interesting tidbits. And again, we're at that point where we're through most S&P earnings for Q1, right? A lot of us are skeptical about what Q2 guidance that they gave is going to materialize. I think that actually is going to be disappointing. But talk to us on the macro level, okay? What, what, are, what are some of the inflation readings that we've had over the last week? What are they telling you going forward? Yeah, well, first of all, Dan, that inflation reading was yesterday, not last week. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't try to run away from it. I just geez, wanted okay. to be over. But okay, so the expectation was for 8.1% year over year, came in 8.3. Yes, that's lower than 8.5, which was the month before. I started the note by saying it's almost as tempting to call peak inflation as it is to call a market bottom. And everybody wants to call peak inflation that's behind us. One data point does not make a trend. You cannot declare premature victory here. And one of the biggest takeaways from yesterday's print was exactly what's on this chart, where you see that magenta bar growing. That's representing services. Services inflation is now a bigger portion than goods inflation. Why does that matter? It matters because services inflation is sticky. And looking at what drove services inflation, airline prices were up 18% month over month. They're up 33% year over year. And I'll tell you what, I was on a plane last night back from California. It was a big plane. Not one single seat was empty. Not one overhead bin had an inch of space in it. So people are still paying these prices. I heard people talking in line behind me about paying $1,400 for a seat in economy. So it's still happening. What I think needs to happen in order to get the Fed pivot that we're all hoping for is that these prices have to start hitting demand. And I think we're going to start seeing them hit demand in May a little bit, and then it'll accelerate June, July, August. And that's what starts to really bring inflation down at a faster pace. I like you said, I mean, number of songs I can riff from. Before you said a lot of (laughs) bridges to cross made me think of, of course, the great song, Many Rivers to Cross. I think that was Jimmy Cliff. It was basically covered brilliantly by UB40, I want to say 1985. Sticky Situation, of course, makes me think of the 11th studio album from the Rolling Stones, Sticky Fingers, 1971. But Liz, waiting is the hardest part, which is very Tom Petty. So let's talk about that, because that, to me, is the key to this entire thing, the waiting. Yep, yep. And and I said that because, look, we've all experienced back in March of 2020, a quick drawdown, and then an even quicker bounce back, it felt like. So I think what's really hard about this for a lot of investors, self-included, is that this has felt like a slow burn, and we are still burning. But here's the thing. I wouldn't ever tell somebody to sell into a deep bear market. I wouldn't tell somebody to sell after we've already been going down for months, because chances are we're closer to a bounce than we are to the beginning of the bear. So Waiting is the hardest part. This is the time where you still have to stay true to if you've got stops on your positions, you've got risk limits in place, stay true to those, but also realize that it's okay to start dipping back in. I think in five years' time, we're going to look back on this period and say that was a bargain in a lot of places. So start choosing those places. I said last week, I've said it for a few weeks, I've been buying bonds. I think that treasuries have been an attractive opportunity here, especially when you look at income. Also, over this period, if you're nervous, cash is an asset class. It's okay to use cash 
and wait in it and just take little chunks out at a time and put it back into the market. But this is not a time, I think Dan made this point earlier, this is not a time when you try to trade around this on a daily basis, especially when you've got a rally one hour and a pullback the next hour. Nobody's going to get that right. Yeah, and I would just, you know, those are all great points. And and I think no matter where you are in your investing career or trading career, you know, you don't, A, want to overtrade. But I think the longer you've been doing this, the more likely you are to be able to take a slightly longer time horizon than would feel comfortable. But the most important point is really just kind of waiting. I think you use the term wading into the market a little bit if you have cash on the sideline. Like you said, that can be an asset. It can be really used opportunistically. The one thing I would just say in the market like we're in right now is that, you know, we had a huge rip from mid-March, right, into the start of April. I think the S&P rallied 8 or 9% or something like that. And then the S&P was down 9% or so. And I would just say, listen, you know, look to be opportunistic when things feel really bad, especially down 18% in the S&P and, you know, close to 30% in the NASDAQ. I wouldn't be buying out of FOMO after we have a big rip because I think the recognition until we get the strategists lowering their estimates where that sentiment is bad enough. Do you know what I'm saying? We won't bottom. We just won't bottom. And we won't bottom after five or six months of this. So that that's just my two cents on that. So, uh, you know, again, I appreciate your color on that, Liz. W- where are some areas, though, you know, I like mega cap tech. I, I think there's certain defensive natures of it. I think it goes lower in the, in the immediate term. Are there some areas? Carter was on yesterday on Market Call, and he was talking about, you know, biotech. So bad, it's good, maybe that sort of thing. Are there some areas that you like? Are some areas like consumer state? Staples, utilities, are they a bit too expensive? Do you want to avoid those even though they're deemed to be defensive? I'm just curious. Maybe fi- financials. Banks, they can't make a bottom guy, right? I mean, look at look at this JP Morgan at 116 and a half today. So there's just a lot of really interesting cross currents. There's going to be some great opportunities, but knowing which sectors to wade into, I think is really important. Liz, any any takes here? Yeah. So I always try to be consistent with the thought process here. So if you just play it out. If you think the Fed does pivot, we get a little bit of a bounce in the market in the second half. It's probably a cyclical bounce. And you're going to see those sectors come back, the ones that got hit hard, cyclicals, in this pullback. And if the Fed pivots, I'm willing to bet that the 10-year and the two-year rally a little bit, but the curve also steepens. That's good for financials. So you could start towing back in. Biotech, I'm with Carter on that 100%. If you look at the healthcare sector, first of all, just healthcare broadly, I think is a bull case over the next two to five years for a number of reasons. But looking at healthcare, especially in the small cap space, you've got biotech and pharma. That's a growthy area. You can get growth exposure in healthcare without having to be in tech. There have been a lot of conversations lately about GARP, growth at a reasonable price, which is a term that we haven't been able to use in a long time because nothing was at a reasonable price. But now you can find a lot more GARPy names, and biotech is one of those spots. So I'm with him there. I also think that the defensive sectors are a little bit overpriced here. I think that we've already seen the rally in those, and we've seen the run-up in price. I don't know that I'd be using staples and utilities as protection. I'd use cash. Digging the glasses, very reasonable to me, the size of those glasses. What's also (laughs) reasonable to me is your foray into the bond market, because we might have topped out. You said you like bonds. We happen to have brought a chart with us. So as they say, slide it, Earl. But let's take a look at this, because I'm sort of with you on, you know, obviously we've seen this huge move in yields, but you you go back 30 years, we're probably at the top of a very steep downtrend line that's been in place if the market continues to sort of self go sideways, you probably see bond flight to quality, 
Is that what you're thinking here? Is this more trade or is this actually thinking this is something that can be sustainable? I think that 60-40 is not dead. And this is an indication of that. I do think that the bond market got overextended based on how far I believe the Fed can actually go with rate hikes. So that's the call where I think we do get a, a little bit of a dovish pivot from the Fed. I don't think that they can get to seven or eight more hikes this year. I don't think they're going to have to in order to once they see the data rule and I don't think they're going to have to do it. So I think the bond market did get overextended. I'm actually in Dan's camp. I think it got more overextended on the short end. But looking at the 10-year, thinking about how that might play out for the rest of the year, too, I think Europe sees a recession this year. And what happens if Europe declares a recession, capital flows back into the United States, people buy the 10-year, and you see a little rally there, too. I just think you see a bigger rally in the twos. I know we're running out of time. I do want to mention the dollar because I love that Taylor Swift song. I've, I've always been in her camp, the T-Swizzle camp, but that Wrecking Ball song is fantastic. And the dollar rallying is a, is a fact of Wrecking Ball for multinationals, but if you think yields are going lower, it stands to reason that maybe the dollars topped out quickly here at EY. Yeah, I, th- I think it has. You know, and and I usually talk about the dollar as an indicator of fear. I think in this case, yeah, I was going to say I'm pretty sure it was Miley Cyrus, not Taylor Swift, but I digress. I think in this case, it's more the idea that the rest of the world and all of the di- divergence between central banks is what's been driving the dollar. I think we probably topped out. <laughs> Guy. And- Guy, it's so funny. Guys, you know what? You, you know, it just, kills just, me every time. just a little inside baseball and some CNBC stuff here. You know, there's there's definitely a separation between you know the halftime investment committee and the fast money crew here because that's a joke that guy's been making for ten years and it just falls that flat every time. Ey, <laughs> hey guy, let's get let's hit Butters really quickly. John Butters, you guys know him, you love him. He is the earnings analyst over there at Factsite. He writes Earnings Insight blog. It comes out every Friday. Check it out, people. I read it. I've been reading it for years here. He gives us a preview on it. And this week he's talking about how many, what percentage of companies in the S&P 500 mention inflation on their calls. 85%. Liz, does that surprise you? 62 industrials, 55 financials. You know, it just, it just seemed like it was rampant here. You know, 100% of materials companies, 98% of discretionary companies. Talk to me about that because this is not something, to Guy's point, it is both persistent and pesky. It's going to be around in 2022. It's not something that's going to yeah. fall off a cliff. I mean, I don't mean to be smug, but I'm surprised the other 15% didn't yeah. mention it. Yeah. Like, what, what, what are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> I think every company has to mention it. Doesn't matter where they are in the supply chain. Doesn't matter what's happening. You've got customers that are dealing with it. You must have some sort of input cost that you need to pass through. So, no, this isn't a surprise. This is obviously the force that everybody's dealing with. This is the biggest headwind that we're all dealing with, regardless of what the cause was, whether it's too much demand or not enough supply. It doesn't really matter at this point. Inflation is high and we have to control it. So every single company is going to deal with this probably for the rest of the year. I'd be surprised if that number didn't go up to 90, 95% in second quarter earnings. No, but to your point, I mean, they've now fired that bullet. And (laughs) as you get to that 90, 95%, I mean, that's peak in terms of the amount of companies that are going to do it. But again, pesky and persistent are what we need to watch for. And I know, EY, although I'm Milwaukee Brewer fan, you understand the beauty of Fenway Park. So you, more than Dan, understood that pesky Paul reference earlier in the show. I love baseball, actually. It's my favorite sport, which I think probably surprises people. I'm one of the only women, I think, that can sit through a full game and be entertained the entire time. <laughs> I, I also am, am probably the only person in Manhattan that has the MLB package, so I can Stop watch the Brewer games. Stop I do. it. I do. 
True story. So good. I mean, are you a fan of, I mean, I know we're out of time here, but just because I, this is what I do. Are you a fan of the movie Diner? Because what you just said sort of should line up exactly with that. Never seen it. If you haven't seen it, you should go to your local blockbuster up there on the West side <laughs> and rent it for this weekend. Cause it's a fabulous movie. And it speaks to attributes that you just cited over the last few minutes. But as usual, I'm off the rails, but that's what I can do because I'm allowed to do it. It's live TV. And if you don't like it, tough took us, as they say. But that's it. That's today's market call. I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank FactSet. I want to thank SoFi. And, of course, I want to thank Open Exchange. We are powered by Open Exchange for more great content. And can I tell you something? This isn't bourgeois. This is actually true. Liz's content is great. It's clever, it's smart, and it's insightful. Follow her on Twitter if you're not, what are you doing, at Liz Young Strat, and sign up for SoFi's daily newsletter at SoFi.com slash daily to read Liz's articles that drop every Thursday. There's something about the word drop that I totally dig. Dan is disgusted with me. EY is smiling. Everybody's happy. Game six tomorrow in Pittsburgh. The Yankees have the best record in baseball. The Brewers are... (laughs) Marginal at best, although I got to tell you something. Josh Hader is a stud. Agreed or disagree? Agree. Agree. The the season is young, guy. The season is young. So are you. Later, people. (laughs) See you, guys. 